Welcome to the Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness, and difference. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. Don't forget, in this episode, I might swear, Lucy might cry, and you can check out details of the trigger warnings on our website. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Labelled Podcast with me and Lucy. Lucy's feeling a little bit uh, worse for wear this morning, so it's no. football season. <laughs> can I just say, I'm not worse for wear, I'm just a little bit hoarse. That's all. I'm not. I got a little bit emotional. I was crying last night. Of course bed. you were. Of course yeah, you were crying. Football Lucy. made me cry. Everything makes me cry. I was going to say but it's then... a Wednesday. Of course <laughs> you were crying. Yeah, of course I was. Uh, but no, I um, yeah, I got a bit carried away watching the football last night. Also, my legs kick uncontrollably for ninety minutes. I've got cerebral palsy. My legs don't move. Yet when I watch the football, it's like I'm running on the pitch with. I'm like what, one of what you're Southgate's saying is. Men. I was just going to say that what you're saying is is that Gareth Southgate has cured your cerebral palsy. Yes. But only in those very specific (laughs) circumstances. Yes. Only when I'm at Wembley and there's 90 (laughs) minutes in it, really. (laughs) But yeah. How are you, Alice? You all right? Yeah. Yeah. I could not care less about the football. So it's just another another regular day for me. Um, I've been, had quite a, a couple of, funny moments with people like I got a Sainsbury's delivery the other day during um like just before kickoff and they were like oh um you know didn't think anybody would be having this slot and I was like yeah uh, no, uh, I don't can you please don't take your shopping in so I can get home <laughs> yeah yeah I was just I like, don't 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 care sorry um oh. I'm somewhat of a social outcast when it comes to football um, <laughs> and every time but every time I I ask my brother if he listens to this show he's like He's, he's always like, no, oh, I haven't got around to it yet. And I'm like, oh, well, I have loads of people like that. He goes, he goes, I go, do you listen to podcasts? And he's like, oh, yeah, I listen to like eight different football podcasts. Oh. Like, what What could you possibly be eight different football podcasts? What can they, they not just say, I mean, I know I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, but there are definitely episodes where I'm like, oh, no, I know this one. And, Skip. You know, exactly. So... <laughs> Anyway, anyway, enough anyway. about the football. Um, enough about the football. Unless that is exactly what our guest wants to dive straight into <laughs> today. We've got um, James with us today. And James is going to talk to us a little bit about his uh, diagnosis of adult ADHD. So, James, do you want to just kick off by telling us a little bit? See what I did there, Lucy? Kick off. See what I did there? Kick off. Kick off. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good. Very good. <laughs> do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? So I'm a journalist, uh, an author, and I was diagnosed with ADHD during lockdown in 2020. Um, I kind of always knew I had ADHD. Um, it was something I kind of struggled through for for my entire, well, pretty much since I was in school. Um, but I, I try not to let it define me. But since the diagnosis, it's, um, I mean, it's, I, I feel like it's, my work has become easier in some ways because uh, I'm working with my kind of disorder, with my condition rather than against it now. Um, that's that's what I say about the ADHD. Um, and I've been a journalist for ten years, and I come from Somerset originally. Okay, 
So, I mean, I think that's something that we've we've said to people who and sort of heard from people who have had diagnoses later in life before is that there is an element of once you kind of know what it is you're dealing with, you've just got a bit more. It's it's just a bit more knowledge and a bit more power to kind of be able to say this is what I need, this is how I do things. Do you do you feel like that's been something that you're experiencing, and do you think that's something that is kind of being recognised in your industry? Because I think it probably varies from industry to industry about how kind of flexible and welcoming people are. Yeah, I mean the the I put off getting a diagnosis, uh, even though it, it was very clear I had it for for. Well, I mean, ever since school, it was it was pretty obvious um, I had ADHD or, or something like it. And I, one of the reasons I put off the diagnosis was because I thought, you know, what's the point? You know, if I get diagnosed, I may be able to get medication, but it's not going to go away. I'm still going to have it. So is it is there any point, you know, labeling myself as, as someone with ADHD? But the, the one of the most beneficial things of getting the diagnosis and reading a lot about ADHD has been the, the the way it's allowed me to kind of uh, calibrate my lifestyle more to the disorder. Yeah. So um, you've, I got un- more, as, you've got more of an understanding of it now, haven't you? I suppose so that you you know, it, like Ali said, you know what you're dealing with, and you know, you can sort of adapt around it rather than having to go. Um, you know, I'm there's some days I might be struggling. Um, I yeah. can imagine. I can imagine knowing what it is and knowing how to handle it is is extremely beneficial yeah exactly and it's also knowing which behaviors are part of my personality and which behaviors were coping mechanisms so there are certain things uh there are certain behaviors i think which are almost like uh like entanglements or something so behaviors which aren't really part of my personality but i always thought they were but really Mm. they were actually coping mechanisms for dealing with the adhd and as i now I take medication, for example, but as I also improve my lifestyle to deal with the ADHD, I find a lot of those behaviors have actually uh, like melted away. They don't really, they don't really, they're not, they weren't actually necessarily part of my personality. It was more uh, a coping strategy to deal with, with the ADHD symptoms. That's really interesting. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit for people out there who are listening, just tell us a little bit about what ADHD is and sort of how it presents for you? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, like, I'm obviously not a doctor, but um, ADHD is, so it's, it's basically a lack of dopamine in parts of the brain, um, essentially. It's, it's thought that it may be kind of heritable, so, uh, or at least in part. So if you have uh, family members with it, it's, it seems to be more likely that you, you may have it. Um, and it, like how that manifests, how that lack of dopamine manifests is that you go looking for the dopamine in the environment, essentially. So uh, if you're, if I'm sat, say, so say you have an ADHD person and a non and a, and a neurotypical person sat yeah. together, uh, mm-hmm. the ADHD person will have less dopamine in their brain and therefore will seek, seek stimulation in the external environment by either uh like looking for distractions by fidgeting um by anything really by t- by even even taking drugs or 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 drinking alcohol um or or scrolling twitter anything it's it's just you you can't just just exist it mm, is, no. is how the novelist tim lott has adhd and he he put it to me like that he really struggles to just exist and i mm. thought that was a really um good articulation of of the problem essentially well and i think saying 
explaining it in that terms of you know looking for the dopamine externally and in your environment is a really makes that makes a lot of sense I yeah think. it's not something i realized that that was kind of where it comes from so mm-hmm. yeah and just to kind of uh, add the point about understanding of the condition in journalism i find there's still quite a poor understanding in general in society of adhd mm-hmm. and i think because i think part of the reason for that as well part one thing that makes it harder for people with adhd is many of the issues around people concentration issues focus issues that people have in the social media age with all these internet distractions, for example, they kind of bleed into um, mm, ADHD yeah, symptoms. Yeah. So there is kind of a, uh, there is like a scale. So everyone gets distracted. Every, there's like the things that ADHD people have, everyone has at times, but, yes. and so people think from that, oh, we're, you know, we're all a bit ADHD or uh, people say things like this. And the, but the difference is it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's when you actually have ADHD, there's a deficit in your brain. You actually have a disorder, which that's that never goes away. It, it's not just you know because I spend too much time on social media, my concentration deteriorates. It's like my concentration is always like that. Um, it, it's a it bit kind of, like, isn't it? The, sorry, sorry, James. No, that's it's right. a bit. It's a bit like, isn't it, when people say, "Oh, I'm a little bit OCD." Yeah, and it's it's it, an actual OCD is, is is if someone has it, it's very bad and causes lots yeah, of anxiety. Yeah, of course it is. Whereas you know. Just, you know, get, I mean, I'm not saying that it doesn't manifest itself, um, you know, with, with like mild OCD, but there is a, there is a big difference between somebody saying, oh, I have to have like, I have to write everything in a, in a black pen and actually like being, can't leave the house because you've got so many rituals to go through before you feel safe and able to, to leave the house. It resonates with me quite a lot, um, because... I have, as part of my eye condition, I don't produce enough of the sleep hormone. So I have to take medication for it. And for years, you know, I, before, um, I found out that I could take supplement, the medication for medication. it. Yeah. I, um, I did have a, a lot of, you know, you talk to people and I'd say, well, I don't, I don't sleep very well. And they tell, well, I had insomnia or I did this and I, did, and it's, and you can't, there is, there is a, vast difference between if you're having a bit of a rough time at work and you're maybe waking up in the night because you're feeling stressed or you're struggling to wind down in the evening and what I had which was from the age of about 10 until I was 19 surviving on three hours sleep because I simply no matter how tired I was my my brain wouldn't stop wouldn't turn off and so it's that um it's there is a lot of people people seem to think they hear words like ADHD or in my case insomnia or OCD it's another Mm. really good example and go oh yeah you know I understand that but there's there's really there's there's having you know perhaps some of the traits associated with it and actually living with the the condition Mm. they're two very different things yeah i mean actually yeah exactly and like adhd can be debilitating whereas it's not a question of willpower it's not like you Mm, can it's not like you can switch on your willpower and then your problem it's not like you can ignore it is it yeah no you can't just go oh yeah i'm gonna push that to the back of my brain it'd be fine yeah 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 and I, i like i know what the difference is in my mind the distinction between procrastination and being lazy and actually 
the the kind of debilitating inability to focus it's like those two things are very different mm. and I think that's probably something that a lot of other people uh, people who don't kind of understand neurodiversity probably don't kind of grasp is that there is I'm sure that there are also times where you're just procrastinating and you just of course, of course. don't want to focus you can't be bothered <laughs> Yeah, of course. Of course, like everyone is like yeah. you get those things, but it's but it's very different when you you know you need to focus but you you just you simply can't, like physically can't. I'm just going to uh, sort of ask about how um you know, that must be hard doing doing journalism um because that is the sort of thing where I I mean, I don't really know anything about it, but I assume it's the sort of thing where you need to be quite focused to you know research and investigate and put articles and stuff together how yeah and the fact that you know you know does does, is the adhd always there or does it seem to be more prevalent in bouts you know are there bouts of time or periods of time where you think it's really sort of kicking off today is is it that kind of thing or is it always there um, just to answer the questions in reverse. So yeah. it's, it's, it's not always the same, like it's always there, but it's not always with, there with the same force. So mm-hmm. a lot of that's to do with lifestyle factors. So being, being tired is like a killer for concentration mm-hmm. with ADHD. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 everyone's concentration deteriorates to some extent being tired, but, but if I don't get like eight, eight hours sleep, it, it's, it's really, really hard to, to focus um mm. a bit easier now with medication uh, that makes a big difference but that's uh, lifestyle factors if i eat lots of sugar that's another uh, which is annoying because i have a sweet tooth so <laughs> uh yeah but if i eat like a bunch of sugar or eat unhealthily for a few days in a row i find it impossible to concentrate for a few days after that there's like a knock-on effect so i have to keep my diet fairly uh fairly fairly healthy um mm. so which is good anyway which is it's yeah. encouraged me to do that so it's not a bad thing um, but but it's, it, it varies day to day. Some days I feel like much sharper than others. With the medication, it's more balanced though. Um, although yeah. sometimes on that, it's hard to hard to uh, sleep. I'm, I'm I have to come off it some like a few days each week just to make sure I catch up on my sleep. Because yeah, there's, mm. that's the thing. It's it's a uh, it's a bit of a double edged sword. The meds and journalism. I mean, journalism because I'm, I'm freelance. It's actually it suits me pretty well because with journalism, you're always able to write about and look at different subjects so one thing with adhd is it's very hard to focus on things you're not that that don't like immediately like grip you so so things you're not passionate about is very hard to focus on and journalism you can switch from different things so so you can you can do one cover one topic one week and throw yourself into that while you're interested in it then then do something else the week after so so it is I mean, sometimes you have though you do have to write about things you're not that interested in, especially mm-hmm. as a jobbing journalist, and that that is very hard, as it is in any job. But the, being freelance, a lot of ADHD people are freelance or entrepreneurs because the variety, it's uh, it, it it suits their condition very well. Mm. So what? Well, how do you manage that, James? When you're writing on, on a subject that you're not particularly interested in, and it can perhaps you you know your ADHD will will sort of be more prevalent almost how do you manage that if you if you if you really aren't interested in what you're writing about i mean it's it's, it's a struggle um mm. just you kind of plow through it I and mean, the medication again does help with that because that means with the meds the medication i take your like i'm getting the, the dopamine from the medication mm. so yeah. i don't have to 
I can just sit. I can just can just exist much more easily, and I don't have to yes. go looking for stimulation. Um, so that makes that's that makes a huge difference. But it's it, again, it's like without the medication, doing that stuff, writing things I'm not interested about, particularly, it's 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 a slog. Basically, it's it's a real slog. It's very hard, <laughs> or it was anyway. What um what are some of the things that you know you have written about that have been really interesting for you? The things that you know you said it kind of the stuff that you're passionate about. Um, so when I wrote my book, Hired, in 2016, when I wrote it, it came out 2018. When I wrote that, it was, uh, I was obsessed with the subject matter. So it was, I, I kind of shut out everything else and just focused on that for, for six months. Um, mm. That was, that was, um, so I was interested in, you know, the low pay economy and mm. um, I was like excited about writing it at that at the time. So it's, uh, I'm not now, but so much, <laughs> I, know, I still do. <laughs> you've done it now James you don't need to do it anymore yeah I mean I'm still I still follow it and I'm so interested in the campaigns and stuff but yeah um it was like by the end of the book it was that was a bit of a slog as well but I got Mm. super obsessed with that topic and then uh that was kind of easy easy to do like that that's the thing is like I'm starting another book and I have to become super obsessed with it in a way because Mm. and share other things because then I I produce the work is just much is far superior then Mm. Do you feel like this kind of that need to have a real interest in things and feel like you're engaged in things? Does that does that impact your kind of your personal life and your social life? I'm not sure. That's the thing. I'm still working that out, really, because, yeah, I mean, I don't like I'm I'm what, 38 now, I've turned 38 and I've like had a bunch of like relationships and stuff and. Um, I was in like a long-term relationship for like four, no, five years until like 2018. And I broke that off. And sometimes I'm like, I don't think that was the ADHD though, but sometimes I wonder about these things. Like yeah. going through spells of like promiscuity and thinking, oh, is this, is this uh, an ADHD thing or is this just my personality? It's like, I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> it's I a, think it's a bit like, sorry, Alice. It's a bit like, um, I've never, a lot of people that I know have had a brain scan to sort of work out exactly where the cerebral palsy is in their brain. And I've never had that. So I often wonder whether my difficulty with numbers, sometimes my difficult, when I get very um, stressed about something, my difficulty like leveling my emotions out and not shouting at people and being a horrible person. I, I always wonder whether that is a, a cerebral palsy thing because I don't know which area of the be- brain. I mean, I know it's affected my mobility, but you don't know how far across the cerebral uh, the the palsy mm-hmm. has spread in my brain. And it, I I do sometimes wonder which bits of my personality are me, and mm-hmm. which bits are my cerebral palsy. I always call him uh, <laughs> Colin the cerebral palsy. <laughs> I help giving it a name is like it's alter ego. Colin, yeah, it's Colin kicking off. Um, uh, but it always fascinates me, and I wonder. You know, I mean, I don't think I'd have I'd want a brain scan now because it's almost like I'm coping well enough as it is. It's just, it's just sometimes when I get philosoph- philosophical, I start to wonder about. Oh, I wonder whether that is like my conditioning rather than me. I've been there, like, you know, growing up with a disability, you do sort of wonder, I wonder what I'd be like if I didn't have my disability. Yeah. And the thing, the joke I always used to make amongst my girlfriends before I met my husband uh, was that, <laughs> that 
out of all of my girlfriends, I am absolutely the gobbiest, most confident, the one who would go up to guys in bars and stuff like that. Except I can't see. So I couldn't see <laughs> the hot guy to be like, I'm going to go talk to him. And so I am, I've made, I've absolutely made the joke that my eye condition is God's way of stopping me from being a right slag. Because I just would have been all over the place. That's the clip for Marcus in that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I th- sorry, carry on. Yeah. No, 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 I was just going to say, you know, so it is, but I think it's important in a lot of ways not to separate those things because yeah. also it is part fundamentally part of who you are when you've yeah. got that kind of disability and disabled uh, neurodiverse experience. Yeah, and I think it's hard to disentangle uh, those behaviours from cultural pressure as well in some ways. So, yeah. I mean, like I thought about this with a few things, but but say with, say say social expectations are, I've always been quite rebellious ever since I was a kid uh, in terms of like social expectations. And I, it's like, you could say that's the ADHD or you could say that's my personality. Mm. Um, so it's like when someone might be, oh, people with ADHD, they are more promiscuous and don't tend to like, their relationships don't tend to, they don't tend to settle down, you know, in the same way. Mm. I mean, for me, that's like, yeah, that that might be because of the ADHD, or it also might be just because I kind of do what I want more. I don't feel the expectations like I need to do this because, you know, my 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 mum or something or, or society says you need to do this. I don't really yeah. feel that pressure. I don't know if that's yeah. an ADHD thing or that's just personality. It's just I've never been. I've always been quite rebellious, basically, mm. and I'm fine I... with that. I'm completely fine with that. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, there's nothing wrong with being a rebel, is there, really? No. You know? So you sort of said you got diagnosed in the last year. What was your kind of your, your journey up to seeking that diagnosis out and, you know, making the decision? Because you said you, you put it off for a long time. Yeah, so, I mean, in the kind of the journey is is like lifelong in some ways, although I won't, I'll obviously condense it a bit on this uh, podcast. <laughs> but so, I mean, in school, I did very poorly in school in terms of but it was all around concentration like I, mm. I can remember I mean it says this in all of my old school reports but I can actually remember as well just being completely unable to concentrate and just being distracted by anything um and but some sub, some subjects I could do really well in so I, I could like ace an exam or something that I was interested in but mm. then uh, then I'd get like an f in maths or something and it was and it was just like there was no it kind of bamboozled my my mum and my gran and and they they kind of couldn't really work out what was going on like why this would happen because it's like they were like you know, you're clearly not an idiot but <laughs> like it's, they just thought I was you know lazy and disruptive and things like that or that, that they didn't think that but that was the label I got from from teachers and then yeah I I left school did some work and then I went back to college and university and did quite well there because again it's it's like there was because you can. Actually, progress through the edu- yeah, yeah. Actually, progress through the education system. It you can kind of be more selective about what you study, mm. and you have more freedom to do it. So you can do it all on a, all your work on a good day, for example, and then on a bad day you don't have to to turn up to your to your seminars. And then so this was always like in my head in the years after as I as I went into work. It was like why solving the riddle of what what the hell happened at school? Like why 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 this stuff happened because it did help, help hold me back for a few years because I had to mm. you know go back I spent three years four years in the workplace and then I went back to college um and the di- then you know in 2017 when I was writing my book I was in a call center working and we had like a classroom induction for the first week and during that I couldn't concentrate and it was it was it was kind of at that point the penny really dropped because it was it was like I've done 
quite, by that time I'd done okay. I had a, jo- a journalist job. I'd kind of done all right for myself. I had, yeah. I had university qualifications, but then I couldn't pay attention to this very straightforward call center scripts. They were, and technology they were, they were, they were running us through. And it was, I was sat next to people straight out of school and stuff and, and not to kind of disparage them, but it was, it was like, this is like, I, sh- I, I understand this fundamentally quite easily, but I cannot concentrate in, in the classroom. And it was just like being in school. And then after I went to the NHS, tried to try and get a diagnosis, but the, my doctor just didn't have a clue about ADHD, gave me a leaflet and told me to contact a charity. And then last year during lockdown, I managed to save a little bit of money and, uh, cause I was just in the high school time, like everyone else. And I sought a private diagnosis because it got really bad in lockdown as well with, um, I think it was, I think anxiety generally made it worse. Yeah. And there were just like so many distractions in, in, in the house and stuff. And that I was using as coping mechanisms and it just got much worse during lockdown. So then I got my diagnosis in, uh, September, October last year, 2020. That's interesting. And I know you sort of, you you made use of that really, didn't you? And you went out and you wrote an, an article about that to kind of tell your story and sort of raise awareness, I think, because I think also one of the things that we see a lot in society is that assumption that ADHD is a kind of a childhood thing and that people mm-hmm. are supposed to grow out of it. Yeah, um, that, so is, think, that is an assumption. Yeah, so I think it's really interesting to you know, to hear a story from an adult who's, you know, got a career and and has done things with their life, but is also, you know, still just demonstrating the fact that this isn't this isn't a, a phase that people go through. It's not something um, that you can just medicate away either, because it is something that you're still sort of living with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a lifelong disorder, and. I mean, writing the article was very cathartic for me personally. I, I, when I finished, weirdly, this has never, ever happened before. I, when I finished the article, I, I literally like broke down in tears, which is sounds, really? maybe that sounds strange, but it's like, and it was strange to me at the time because that's never happened with anything I've written before, even personal uh, items, but it was just very cathartic because it was, I don't, I don't really know. It was, it was literally like I was writing to my, my kid version of myself mm. in some ways. And yeah. And, and. ADHD is a lifelong thing and personally it is a struggle and it is a bit of a tightrope act at some point at sometimes and to me it's like it's too early to say whether it's a blessing or a curse because I don't know how the rest of my yeah. life is going to pan out so exactly but there are aspects of it which so I I I, I think it, it really helps with creativity I think it's like you hear this from ADHDers it's a very common uh thing that's that's cited by them and you find a lot of ADHDs in creative work. And personally, I find it does, there is this kind of spark of creativity that comes with it because your brain is whizzing off in a million different directions at once. But mm. the point is, it, it's also very, very hard to channel that creativity sometimes because you need structures, you need to make it uh, comprehensible to people outside of your your brain. But I think if you can channel it and if you can use those ideas, it can be a blessing. But it's, And I think as well, if you, can work, if you can work with somebody who who can understand your creativity and work with you to yes. to like you know help get you to the end goal of what you have imagined that that is also very helpful i mean i'm a big fan of teamwork mm-hmm. <laughs> and i think yeah. editors editors yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. do with this please <laughs> um, and it it reminds me of um we've had uh we've got an episode with Gemma Steele from team gb coming out shortly and she's got 
um, ADHD and autism and she's mm -hmm. you know a a runner and she's sort of talked about the way that her condition has helped her to just get into and focus and be driven to just keep running and pursue mm -hmm. that and so I think it's one of the things that's you know you talk about that spark of creativity but I think it's worth kind of recognizing the the broad depth of what creativity can mean for different people because yeah. you know for Gemma it's it's not necessarily about art although her and her sister I think are both quite artistic it's it's also you know it's about fine it's that passion thing that you talked about it's the thing that interests you and mm -hmm. I think the ADHD does in a lot of ways give you I suppose when you find the thing that gives you your dopamine hit it's what pushes you and pushes you to keep seeking it mm -hmm. yeah I mean there is a there is a <laughs> a link in, well there's they th they think there may be a link between autism and ADHD because in the fact there's a big crossover mm. um so so like a high percentage of people uh with ADHD have a I'm not sure what you call it like a co co disorder or yeah like comorbidity I think they call them don't yeah they? and autism is is one of those so like we have in my family we have a few people with with autism and we had a there was it's in my family basically. So my uncles, two uncles I had, um, they were they they passed away like a while ago now. But they it's it's, it's a consensus in the family that they had uh, autism. They had like high functioning autism because they were they had they had all of those traits. But they were they were kind of they lived their young lives at a time when it often went di undiagnosed. Mm. And my, my nephew mm. has uh, autism as well, and it's there's a, there's a there's a few others. Um, in the family. So it's, it's, I, I've never been, you know, test, I've never done the test for that. Um, although I, I will at some point because I, I suspect I'm, I have a little bit of that as well, because some of the things that came out of the ADHD diagnosis I would talk about and, and people who, who were, are in the know about this stuff would say, you know, bro, that's not, that's not ADHD. That's, that's, um, <laughs> that's something else. Um, <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's, 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 I'm kind of, I'm not with that is like, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll find out, but I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not so bothered about the labels unless there's like a perp unless it, it helps me day to day. So the ADHD mm. diagnosis did really help me day to day because I understand I mean, my I know, lifestyle I, a lot more. I know our, I know our podcast is called Labels, but we do hate <laughs> labels. Well, and that's um, I think the point, isn't it? It's kind yeah. of the point of, of the title of the podcast as well is to sort of say we might have these labels, but we we're more to that. And I think the, the general consensus that I've got from all the people that we've talked to is that there is a power to having a diagnosis and a label. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But, it's, a, it's a superpower, if you ask me. But I, mean, I, I, think, go on, I, 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 I was just going to say, just to, just to cut in quickly, yeah. like, I've, with the label thing, I find there's, there's two sides to it. So on the one hand, it's been very uh, helpful to, to find out that I have ADHD because I can calibrate my life to... Yes. the condition and work like go with the current rather than fighting mm. against it swimming against it but at the same time there is a part of me which is i feel like i have to be a bit careful not to use the label as, as an excuse sometimes for things which like it's just that's just just me i feel like i could easily be see myself as like a victim and like oh I, well i just can't do that because because my adhd that's whereas nice. instead of pushing myself when that pushing myself is probably the right that's really interesting parts. that's not that's not the way i thought kind of i thought that that's what you were saying there was going to sort of start talking about 
social labels, but I think it's really interesting to say. Yeah, I don't know if it's the same with everyone. That's just how in my brain it's like I feel myself. I can I can feel myself occasionally like grabbing for that as an actual excuse. Yes. occasionally. And I am in complete agreement with you, James. I mean, I I am always I try not to use it as oh I can't do this because I can't walk, you know, and uh, because I don't want to be seen as taking an easy easy way out do you know what I mean so like yeah. to give you an example for, for me personally at the moment uh the UK whenever you go outside has to wear a mask on your face so if you can walk around a shop or you know just walking around town you have a mask on your face um I looking at it now as restrictions are about to be eased I could have probably been an ideal candidate for a um mask is exemption but i even though wearing a mask when you're trying to push a manual wheelchair is horrendous it feels like somebody's holding a cloth over your mouth and saying just push yourself up that hill <laughs> run up that hill um and it's awful oh, yeah. i was i was in the shop the other day and i thought i was going to faint because i was just breathing in my own recycled air and i'm not saying that everybody feels like this but when you've got to push yourself and that extra exertion of moving is horrific yeah, um, I mean, so sorry, carry on. It's okay. Um, so I could have been exempt from the mask wearing thing, but I didn't want to because I didn't want to feel like, well, I'm in a wheelchair, but I can't wear one of those masks. Do you know what I mean? I wanted yeah, to definitely. do my bit and keep everybody safe. And now these restrictions are lifting. I don't particularly want to wear a mask anymore, but I also don't want to get shouted at by people going, you should be wearing a mask to keep us all safe. And I'm thinking, just can we find a balance where, you know, you're not going to shout at me because I don't want to wear a mask. I've done my bit. I don't want to wear a mask anymore. I know COVID still exists, but I can't carry on pushing myself with a cloth over my mouth. That's that's the be that you know what I'm yeah. going to back to that point of I didn't want to use my disability as an excuse because in my head I don't feel disabled. I don't mm. see myself as dis even though I can't it's quite clear I can't walk when you see me out and about. Um but I don't th there's a bit of my brain that doesn't register you're disabled unless somebody tells like unless i'm in an environment where it makes it really difficult for me to get but it's a really mm -hmm. weird thing to try and explain yeah yeah i mean the thing is there are there are things with with adhd or with or with disabilities generally that that one can't do or which yeah. become much harder to do with the disability but for me with the like with the adhd it's it's there are some things that that are it's not an, like it's not an excuse at all there yeah. are there are many things which are harder with the yeah. disorder but it's, it's, it's also for me personally, it's like having enough self-awareness to understand when I'm trying to rationalize why I can't do something and using yeah. ADHD the same way I might use anything. So if, you know, I, I might think, oh, I don't, don't I'm not going to go to the gym because I feel tired and I'll rationalize that it's fine not to do that because I feel a bit tired. Um, whereas I'm kidding myself, you know, it's, it's I'm actually uh, I'm, I'm using something as, as an excuse, whereas it is in that case it actually isn't a legitimate a valid yeah. excuse it's it's, it's, yeah. it's rationalization i always think you'd like i always think of it as like i can't shirk responsibilities of being a human just because i'm disabled as much as i was as i would like it i don't want to be seen oh you know she said she can't do that because she she can't walk so we're going to leave her there and you know and then i get out of it's like getting out of 
responsibility really I, don't, I still want to be a responsible adult but I at the same time I uh, it, it's just a very it's a very odd thing to try and explain and I realize I realize I'm doing this on a podcast that's being recorded so this is going to be a lot of me going um uh <laughs> but yeah it's um it's interesting because I have a hundred percent been like oh no it's I, <laughs> I, I can't I like the thing I mean the stuff I use it for is sheer laziness. So I'll be like, <laughs> I will be like, oh no, I can't make the tea because I can't see. So you'll have to do it. Or I mean, like, don't get... it, it's your round because I can't see. So I can't, I can't go to the bar. And I will like, I will give you my card and you can buy the round, but I don't want to get off my ass and go up to the bar. So it's like, oh, but it's dark and I can't, and the dog settled down. So, you know, I am, <laughs> I'm kind of the opposite. I will absolutely grab onto it like a, a, a life raft for the most insignificant thing. Do you know what I think it is, actually? I think it is the fact that because I can't, there's, there's so much I can't physically do for myself. The bits that people think I am, people believe I am aware, I, I am able to do that i feel like the bits i can do i should do so like wearing a mask for example i don't like wearing a mask but i can do it so i feel like i should it's that kind of you it's that you you, you, you then can't use an excuse of yeah i can't wear a mask because my legs don't work that doesn't make any sense so you just i just do it it's that yeah feeling of responsibility mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, sometimes with the medication, I, I, it does make me. I, I'm, I'm working that out at the moment. The best ways to take it, the best ways yeah. to deal with it. It makes it hard to sleep sometimes. So I, so you get the, I get the lack of sleep, mm. and then that just naturally makes you a bit lazier. Um, <laughs> and like, it, it's a bit of a double-edged sword because you take the medication to improve your concentration, but if you mm. get less sleep, it's bad for your concentration. So I end up balancing out. I'm, uh, it's a bit better still with the meds, but if I have a full sleep. And then take the meds. It's it's perfect, but I'm trying to work out uh, work that out still. But um, that I'm can sure make you'll me get lazy. There, James. I'm sure you'll <laughs> yeah, get there. Eventually, I am yeah. getting there. It doesn't yeah. help that there's people. There's construction work down in the flat below for a <laughs> shop, so uh, that isn't helping at the moment. No. I yeah. I was just gonna ask James. Sort of. You know, you 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 said you made the decision to go and get your kind of private diagnosis. And you said that it was, you've got people in your family where there's sort of this consensus that there are other neurodiversities going on. But what was the kind of reaction from your friends and family when you came to them and said, here, you know, I've got ADHD. This this is the explanation for why I've been the way I am. Yeah, were they like, uh, yeah, we, we know. Um, I mean, my mum... Uh, for example, like it explained a lot of things for her as well um, mm. in terms of what happened with school and stuff. Um, and my grandmother, so I was mainly brought up by my grandmother though, and she's 92 this month, in fact. And oh. so when I told her, she, she forgot anyway. So uh, she <laughs> forgot, <laughs> forgot, forgot soon after anyway. Uh, so it's fine. Uh, so but <laughs> she, she was... Um, she was very accepting of how I was anyway when I was younger, so it wasn't, mm. wasn't a big issue. Um, people were kind of, older relatives are kind of a bit baffled by the 
what ADHD is and stuff and don't know that much about it. Or you find, not in my family necessarily, but older people generally don't yeah. take, necessarily take it that seriously. They think, oh, it's just, uh, you're just on like, social media too much or is this mm. victim culture or something or, mm. oh, like all these people need a label and stuff. Like, that's the, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You see some of that on Twitter when you write about ADHD and it's just uh, ignorance. I always think being a disabled person on Twitter is a hazard anyway. I mean, I get shouted at for all sorts of things that mm. you think you know as soon as you stick your head above the parapet you're like okay i'm gonna get a lot of abuse for this and i think it's ridiculous but um what about your network of friends james i mean presume presumably they they some of some of your friends have known you for a long time did they kind of suspect that you had adhd or or did you find that you your network of friends changed slightly when you got diagnosed um my network changed a bit anyway in the because of lockdown i was i was in somerset for a year then i came back to right. london in march so i've been seeing london friends again and mm-hmm. in london there's and in in the industry i work in and those like it's the creative industries that are kind of around it you just meet more people who have been diagnosed as well so a good friend of mine had been recently diagnosed he's a year older than me and so that was that was very supportive because we spoke to each other about different things and uh, he started medication similar time to me and mm. we could kind of um, bounce uh, experiences off of each other um, yeah. over the phone and stuff. And so that was really helpful. Other friends, like school school friends, the there was a, a reaction of like that explains a lot, basically. Oh, okay. That was um, like they didn't necessarily know I had ADHD because they didn't because I wasn't super physically hyperactive. No. It was, um, I, I, you know, there's fidgeting and stuff. But there was never, it was never like I was bouncing around in my chair. It was, but in in my mind, I was bouncing around. So, but they, they the, the reaction was that explains a lot, really. That was, mm. um, there was no one who was shocked by it because it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, I, they'd often said to me over the years, like, why did I mess around in school so much? Because like, you, you've done well, like you've done all right anyway since. Yeah. Mm. Have you um, sort of, sort of started to, contact more people with ADHD as well to sort of get that um support network or have you sort of just had like the odd friend who sort of understands you you know because a lot of people that we speak to Alice they say that they've used things like social media has been a good outlet uh, disability twitter being one example um from the people that we've spoken to they've they've found that places like twitter even though it does have its bad points there can be a a community out there that if you've got any questions but then i suppose if if you had always suspected you got adhd was it something that you didn't really feel that you needed support for or have you made use of that community that is like online and in these sort of spaces um since your diagnosis yeah, so the, the community, the, the wider ADHD quote unquote community, that, mm. that that is useful because one of the most interesting and use, and helpful things to me after the diagnosis was reading about other, other people's experiences with yeah. ADHD because it's the first time I can actually relate to people, uh, it, like genuinely reading reading books about people's experiences with ADHD. The first time, literally the first time in my life, it was a case of now I understand like that's exactly why what what i do and why i do that and yeah. it's i'd never i'd never come across that before so that that was hugely uh validating i suppose and 
there's there's I mean there's a great uh, so I was on Instagram the other day and there was a great uh, account on there with all these different ADHD memes and stuff and like humorous memes and it was yeah it, it's it's so re- the, the relatability of it is really helpful I find mm. and with friends with friends uh, what I found was people who had a ADHD themselves who were like acquaintances say if they were close friends I, I would know already but yeah. people who are acquaintances who had ADHD would then reach out um, and say oh I have that as well or people mm-hmm. I meet and they might not have told me now will tell me they they've been diagnosed with that at some point in the past as well and that's uh, so then I then those relationships get built kind of organically I haven't sought them out as such but because of this article a lot of people have read in in the my professional space they will tell me if they have ADHD Mm. Yeah, I think those relationships that come, that grow organically are often some of the best, you know, they're some of the best friendships, aren't they? And then relationships that you can have, because it's, it's not like you find you're, you're, you're drawn to one another. And it's not through circumstance. It's not because you went to university together and you were in the same class or at school or whatever. It's, it's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. you are, you are drawn to one another naturally. And I think, that they are often the best sort of relationships you can have and they're the, they're often the ones that are you are very open and honest w- with people about i know that me alice i think really if you think about it me and you found each other very accidentally and organically and you are probably one of the people that i can talk to about stuff very openly and 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 honestly about things i mean over the lockdown i think i spoke to you more than i spoke to any of my other friendship group we were setting up a podcast at the time but um <laughs> i you are one of those people that i can talk to and 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 you know get frustrated about things and and i know that you aren't going to judge me for what i'm telling you because you just i it's almost like I can I can let off a bit of steam with you and it's like yeah okay well we're all right it's all right she's got it off her chest let's move on that kind of thing and I think those relationships are some of the best ones that you can have because you're not worrying about what that social that social circle that you got introduced to because of are going to think of you once they find out oh yeah Lucy told me this the other day and she's a little bit weird isn't she like <laughs> what's she worrying about that for so I do think that those things, I those mean, relationships are... are I, I do frequently have to say, stop being weird and worrying about that, you're being ridiculous. Uh, yeah, and you do. why are you crying now? <laughs> um, yeah, but I, do, I think you just learned that that's part of my, that's just part of my personality. Yeah. I cry when I'm happy, cry when I'm sad, cry when I'm relieved, just crying. Um, and if I'm, not, if I'm not crying, that's when you want to worry. Uh, <laughs> But I do, I do, I do feel like it, those kind of relationships are a little bit more freeing, aren't they? Because you're not having to worry about the social, the social group that that friendship came out of, and ha- what the knock-on negative effect that that's going to have. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, and, and I mean, like you're choosing those friends as well to some extent, yeah. rather than whereas workplace or school friends, it's partly. You, I mean, you do choose them to an extent, but it's partly because you're forced under the same yeah. roof with those people. And you just exactly. fall in with it, certain crowd. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We were we weren't forced to work together, Alice. You <laughs> just found me and went. Do you want to do a podcast with me? Yeah, all right then. Um, so exactly. It, though, yeah, those things I think are, and I, I, I don't know about you, Alice, but I really benefit from it. I think 
Um, it, yes, I, I also benefit from it. She's going to say, no, I can't stand you. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I, I know that I, I was going to carry on and talk about something related to, you know, our guests and the podcast, but I know that Lucy's the sort of person who would worry so much if I just ignored that question and carried on through it. She'd be like, she secretly hates me. It'll be, th- it'll be, th- <laughs> it'll be three weeks later, I'll be like, Alice, you all right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, Lucy, I do benefit from our relationship. We are very Thanks. good friends and I'm glad Thanks. I met you. Thanks. Now that your ego's been stroked, can we yeah. move back on? Um, of course. <laughs> I, I think one of the things as well about meeting people who have similar experiences, whether it's, you know, act- the actual experience of having the same condition or um similar experiences in terms of the the way that kind of people are treated and the the barriers that the world throws up for people with kind of disabilities and differences there you're able to kind of you know in the uh, the way i think guests have said to us before that nothing shocks them anymore that there is an element of some of your friends who have been through those things you know you you can share things with people and they'll be like really and you can share things with people who have been through those experiences and they're like yeah yeah i can believe that and i've been there and this that same thing happened to me and there is definitely an element of it's just it makes you feel less excluded it makes you feel recognized and your experience is more validated when other people go yep been there um Mm -hmm. and i think that that's really important just as a society kind of at large is is recognizing the difference of different people's experiences and not invalidating people's different experiences because you know if we were more recognizing and accepting of the way that our behaviors and and the things that go on around us impact different people i think you know the world would be in terms of mental health a much healthier place yeah no definitely <clears throat> but for some reason there is uh, a tendency among some people to, I mean, again, I don't, I don't, my friend, none of my friends were like this and people, who, I wouldn't be associate, I wouldn't associate myself with people in real life. I don't think who would, would be like that, but you yeah. do, if you spend too much time on social media, you, you do encounter people, reactionaries who like to say things like, oh, ADHD doesn't exist, blah, 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 yeah. because they, they're, they're obsessed with this idea that we live in this victimhood culture where. Um, I think on some level they, because they've had, it's often people who've had a lot of advantages themselves. They, they want to think that their own achievements are just by through merit or something. And Mm -hmm. therefore conversely, that other people's struggles are because they're, you know, it's, it's just their laziness or their, they don't like, they lack the discipline. You know, we live in this, they think we live in this society where they like to think we live in this society where. People, we live in this meritocracy where people struggle because it's just a choice, whereas mm. it actually is way more complex than that. Mm. Yeah, mm. absolutely. I, I mean, I've I've been called all sorts on Twitter, like bitter because I've, you know, I've raised a point about an access need or something that nobody's thought of, and then somebody's replied to me and said, "Oh, you're such a bitter disabled person," and I think, no, no, no. Just because you think, and I also, it's like this thing, isn't it? That I always say that always sounds like a threat. Disability will happen to you one day. And it's only when that, when that happens through some, it it can either be a a late diagnosis or the fact that just 
getting older mm-hmm. um disability may very well happen to you at some point and it will only be then when you realize to yourself actually i can kind of understand yeah. that this is going to be very difficult building to get into or whatever but yeah you just have to kind of yeah not so cocky anymore yeah <laughs> and it does it does make it sound like i am being very menacing and threatening but I'm just telling you the truth. And I don't think yeah. people like it when I say it'll happen to you one day. You just watch. Um, and I mean, you know, not to get on on my regular soapbox, but um, <laughs> they're, they're always the, you know, straight, white, well-educated, middle-class yeah. guys. It's yeah. the the ones who have had doors opened for them. And... They've never had to struggle in their life, have they, really? Mm-hmm. And um, I think it takes a lot of you know there are people my my brother to talk about him again he's um he's a really nice kid um but you know straight (laughs) white six foot two blue eyes phd candidate swanned through his life oh Um, (laughs) and um and i think it's it I feel like it shows a good, you know, show of his character, the fact that he's able to kind of look around at society and the world that's going on around him and go, I'm privileged and there are people who aren't. And, I, you know, I do think that takes a lot. And I think, um, unfortunately, it does take some people actually having to get kind of knocked off that pedestal by an unexpected diagnosis or experience to 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 get them to recognise that. Yeah, I think I think that's probably it makes it more relatable. Yeah, I, I can I can I think I can see how that that would uh, be true. I can see how that would that would be the case. Yeah, because I you know I get I get quite a lot of people who maybe a bit like they've broken their leg and they have the inconvenience of being in a wheelchair for six weeks, and then I say I really don't know how you do this. I feel <laughs> motion sick all the time, and and people speak to the person behind me instead instead of me, and I'm like yeah. James, how do you think, uh, you know, how do, how do you feel, do you, do you ever get frustrated about the fact that your condition is a hidden, would be classed as a hidden disability and so people may not understand as much maybe as they can look at me and go, oh, she can't walk, that must be really difficult for her to navigate the world. It's a lot easier for people to sort of... Uh negation isn't it by going oh well i can't sit so it's not there it can't be real yeah well you know have you have you struggled with with having this hidden disability have you found something that's very you know that's something very difficult to deal with i think the fact that it's hidden i think is uh i think there's two sides to that because on on one level it's easier because people don't judge you immediately for it which i think people do with some with some conditions where it's it is more visible they mm. make this kind of snap judgment maybe mm-hmm. um so i think i have it easier in that respect because you can someone can form an impression of you then you tell them you have adhd it's not like right up front and so you don't have to deal with that potential reaction or potentially judgmental or negative reaction but on the other hand yes it does it can make it harder because people don't sometimes because people don't understand why you're doing something and yes you you have to explain to them that it's to do with adhd but then you can only do that so much without it sounding just like you're making excuses um Mm. on the on the one hand and also because they if someone without adhd i still feel like 
they don't always take it seriously like because because they can't relate to it it's just not they don't they can't relate to what's going on inside your mind so they don't aren't as tolerant of it as someone else with ADHD might be Mm. Mm. I always find it fascinating that um you know, talking to people with hidden disabilities and they say, I wish people understood. And then you talk to people with very, um, very visible. That's it. Thank you. Hidden and visible. Can you tell it's been a long night? Um, very visible disabilities. When you, when you speak to somebody with a very, very visible disabilities, they go, oh, I, I wish I could just hide it away. Do you know what I mean? So that people didn't make that snap judgment about me. It would make my my access to jobs and things like that and p- progression in life a whole lot easier if I could just hide it away for just like an hour or two um, while I got to do X, Y, Z tasks before it, that I could finally say, actually, I've got a disability. It's quite interesting. Right? I always find it very fascinating. Yeah, I mean, people can put you in a box, I, I suppose. Like, yeah. um, that's unfortunate, I think. Um, and I'm wary of that i mean we shouldn't have to be wary of that on the one hand but at the same time it's like i feel i'm realistic about how people actually are and they do make snap judgments and put people in boxes sometimes so um unfortunately so i I, i'm not so it's not something i the the fact i don't present it openly Mm. um does make it easier for me that is a Mm. privilege in some ways i think what would you want people to know about sort of your um experience of adhd and 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 the things that you perhaps do that people don't realize are an adhd trait or coping mechanism what would be the thing that you'd sort of if you could have it tattooed on your head so that you don't have to keep repeating yourself (laughs) um i like interrupting people is is one but i i don't really bother apologizing for that anymore i just try not to do it as much um well, I, I do apologize, but I don't really get into like, oh, I'm really sorry. It's just like, it's that's who I am. And like, yeah. I try, I'm not, I'm not over the top, like being rude, interrupting people, but it's just, it's never going to go away and just, just like take it. My attitude more, more or less now is like, you know, I get up in the morning, I, I look at myself and it's like, this is it. You know, this is, I'm not going to fundamentally change. I'm 38 <laughs> years old. I'm, I'm not going to fundamentally change now. So it's kind of take it or leave it. Um, and that that doesn't mean behaving badly. No. But I just it's just a case of, you know, you know, this is it. Um this is it. Um and yeah, like if you don't like it, that's fine. Like I'm I, I prefer if you liked it, but if you don't, if you think I'm an idiot, that's fine too. Sometimes I think I'm an idiot. So it's it's, it's completely <laughs> fine. A, you can't always be everybody's cup of tea, can you really, James? And I uh I wish I was as as laid back about things as uh, well, laid back about my uh, impairment, then because sometimes it drives me mad how I get very anxious about things to do with my disability mm-hmm. that I build up in my head as a big thing, and I would just wish I could calm down. I'm sure Alice wishes sometimes I'd calm down about it, but it's it's very um. You I definitely d- don't have a a lot of um sort of not self-confidence you just you know you're not you need that reassurance a lot and I don't know kind of where that comes from but for you there is definitely a fear I think that people will not like you and I think it takes a lot you know it takes a lot of work on a person's own mental health to get to a point of going 
you know what? I don't care if you don't fucking like me. I, yeah, that's that, that's the thing. In fact, I was talking about this with my mum this morning. I think I am a little bit of a people pleaser, and I think I need to calm down. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not going. Not everybody is going to like me, and I wish sometimes I could just go. It's all right. It's fine. That person doesn't like me anymore, or doesn't like me anymore. Doesn't uh, likes me at the beginning. Got to know me and thought actually. No, I don't like her. Or has gone, I really don't like that woman. She looks like she's got Elmo on her head because her hair's bright red. That kind of thing. I, I wish I could calm down, but, you know, I, so I, I think I should take a leaf out of James's book. Really. I did I did used to be, like, growing up, uh, like a, what you call a people pleaser. But And that yeah. is that is something that uh, a lot of ADHD, ADHD people have. It's, uh, it's, it's I, I don't know what that comes from, but it's, it's on the... In ADHD resources, it's, it's something that's talked about. And mm. basically, that was something I worked on consciously for a long time. And, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, that's, that was like a long process over years mm. of working out, like, working out where that came from, why I cared and stuff. Yeah. No, I think it's a great attitude to have, James. I think you're right, right on track with that, if I do say so myself. Not that you need my opinion. Um, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care if you like him or not, remember? He, he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't care. I hope he does, but he doesn't care. That's coming from me. Who's just a you guys. Either. Yeah, just yeah. you guys. <laughs> um, no, that's great, James. So, Alice, is there anything that... Yeah, go on. Well, I was just going to say, James, you said that you're starting work on another book. Can you tell mm -hmm. us about that? Or is it all very, like, hush-hush still? Yeah. Um, it's kind of hush hush, but it's uh, <laughs> so it's basically about um, dating apps and like the cultures around that have emerged around that. That's basically yeah. okay. That's basically I, I can tell you a few stories. <laughs> have you um, have you sort of have, has has ADHD had an impact on your sort of dating life and experience, James? Um. Yeah, or is that too personal? You can. No, no, it's fine. It's, it's fine. It's just I'm not sure. It's like okay. as I mentioned earlier, it's 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 kind of like uh, maybe it has. So so I again like I'm not like married or anything, and I've had like longer relationships before, but then I've eventually broke them off, um, which is. But again, it's like, and that's generally considered like, oh, that's like a bad thing because you're supposed to have like the family and mm. like uh, do these things, go through this like process. But then at the same time, it's like, I, I quite enjoy being single. So I don't know if that's the ADHD. It's just, uh, um, I don't think, I don't really think that is the ADHD. I think. Um, that's just, you think that's just yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. I think that I've, there's phases I've gone through where I've been like more promiscuous because like, mm. why not? Like if you're single, <laughs> why the hell not? And, but then I'm not like opposed to the idea of having a relationship. It's just, uh, uh yeah it's like the cliche like i haven't met a person who i could i could tolerate no i haven't met the right person <laughs> who could tolerate me or, or whatever yeah it's, it's just i haven't met the right person and maybe that's like uh, adhd but i i'm skeptical of that are you uh, sort of when you're dating are you telling people about your diagnosis or is it something you're sort of like no this is third date material um so i, I am actually seeing someone now so that is uh that is um so I'm not, so, 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 and yeah, she knows that I've got ADHD. I don't know if I told her like the first time we went out because, you know, it's like, I wouldn't expect someone to tell me everything about themselves the first time we go out, but we've been seeing each other for like almost uh, like a month and a half maybe, but it was pretty soon we had, like I told her about that. Um, and, it, it, but I did that like 
because like she was she's totally cool with it like anyway but it's yeah. more just because if i do this weird thing then this is why like because sometimes yeah. with say i'm very bad at texting like i leave mm -hmm. people on red and stuff and just don't respond yeah and that can come across as like cold and like you don't you don't care mm. um you don't give a shit about this person but it's like often it's just i i will receive the text i'll look at it and then my brain is like i just completely forget about it for mm. ages until yeah and then i until go back you, to it and it's like, oh, until oh, you yeah. go back into whatsapp and see that you've got like three or three messages you've not yeah and, 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 and things things have happened before where like i'll meet someone's friends they'll introduce me to their friends and then like i'll forget the, their names and things like that and or just like it'll be like i'm not listening paying attention to what they're mm. saying and yeah. that can come across as like arrogant rude and mm. so I, i'm consciously working on those things anyway i don't think it should just be like other people should do the work you shouldn't yeah it's not like but you you want to sit there and go oh that's no, my ADHD. i can't do anything no, about it it's like i am consciously trying not to do those things yeah but it's also it's important the other person understands that sometimes anyway that, that when i do that actually i don't stress about it it's just mm. like i've just forgotten it's an adhd thing my scatterbrain it's it's interesting i'm i'm very glad in a lot of ways that i didn't sort of have to do the dating thing um for, before i met my husband like he just we knew each other he just, so he he just, just appeared he just appeared like Poof, here's Dave. No, we uh, we we knew each other. So, um, and we'd known each other. We were both previously in relationships, and then we're both single at the same time. And oh. um, so the line. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd never had to have that kind of that conversation. And I, I have absolutely, you know, when I've had friends who have been like going on Tinder and stuff like that, thought, God trying to have a conversation with somebody of being like yeah we've been chatting online and we're going to meet for the first time and I'm going to be like so when we meet in the pub I'm going to have my dog with me because I can't see and oh. like that that reaction is how I feel on the inside and I guess it's that kind of it's um it's definitely just it just for me i think it would add a whole extra level to the dating anxiety of yeah of it yeah and that's Sorry. the thing that's the thing with me as well uh, you know it i used a dating app once had a horrible horrendous uh nightmare of a experience that was like something off jeremy kyle Sorry to hear um that. yeah thank you very much um so never i've never used them again ever and i've sworn off them for life because i just can't handle it but I, um, and it was the first time I'd ever met somebody off a dating app, and then all this bin fire happened, and I was like, no, 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 fire. I think is a good way of describing that experience. Yeah, absolute, absolutely horrific. So I, I, I swore off them and never, never, will never do it again ever. But also, you can't really hide this big lump of metal that I appear in. Like it's like, hi, I'm here. So, yeah, don't worry about this. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm just. I really didn't want to walk in. I wanted to make an entrance. <laughs> um, so that conversation about my disability has to happen mm. sort of really quickly. Yeah, because I wouldn't want to put the person I was going on a date with in the awkward position of me just turning up in a wheelchair and him going, hang on, wait a minute, whoa, 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 where did this come from? Yeah. 
Um, so it has to happen like within like the first few messages. And then because it's like the first few messages, they just either go like disappear and never reply or they ask questions that are very personal, very intimate questions. And you think, hang on, mate, <laughs> like, I'm only five minutes. Um, do you really need to know the answer to that question? Just think about, just think about what you're asking me. It's horrific. So I just don't, mm. I don't do it. I don't, I don't know what it is. And I like, I have been on my own for a very long time. And I think when I do eventually find somebody, if I eventually find anybody, um, it will take me a long time to go, oh, I've got to consider this other person now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, that, that is that is a big thing, I think. With yeah. if, I think just any time, so, so yeah, from like 2018 to, to, to basically now, I, I was basically single. Like I was, yeah. I was seeing people for, for like short, th short term things. So like I was using the apps and stuff, but I, I was very, very like independent and you get to the point where you you're used to living on your own, you're used to being on your own and you, you have your way of doing things, your way of going about your day, your, your ways of, uh, your, your ways of kind of, you become like not self-centered, but, uh, it's like solipsistic. So like everything revolves around your lifestyle and stuff, mm. which is, which is, which is, which is great. Great. But then when you meet someone, it's, it's integrating them into that life to whatever extent is, is kind of a challenge. It's, it's like, you have to compromise then you can't just do what you want all the time. And I think it's interesting as well, you know, people who, um, when you do have a, a disability or a need that sometimes, you know, there's the expectation that when you've been single for a while or whatever, you have to sort of relearn how to compromise and how to build another person into your life. But I think there is a difficulty with when you've got a need of sometimes there are things that you have sort of have to say, to people, no, this isn't something I can compromise on. This isn't something I can change. Like, you know, Lucy can't suddenly just be like, oh no, it's fine. We'll, we'll just use the stairs. Yeah. Do you want to go hiking in the Lake District for the yeah. weekend? Not really, babes. Not really. Yeah. Um, I'm honest. <laughs> so it is, I think it is, it is a different experience for yeah. people with kind of disabilities and differences. Um, that other people perhaps don't always think about even you know once you get past that initial oh I've got a disability don't leave me because I've got a disability it goes it carries on afterwards you know yeah I think ADHD is easier in that respect I don't think like I don't I've not found personally that it's interfered with it's not interfering with this thing that the person I'm seeing now with this with this thing it's not interfered at all it's more it's, it's, it's I don't feel like we have a particularly hard time I don't with ADHD um, no. in relationships it's more just a question of um understanding and if the person doesn't understand or is unwilling to understand i mean that's a screening process in itself that person mm. is probably not the person you want to spend yeah. a lot of time with anyway I think so it, it, yeah well that's the thing it does well, well screen those people out it didn't it didn't really in my case with online dating it kind yeah. of just made things worse but um ordinarily yes it does it does filter out the people that will waste your time you know uh you do you know and and people are my friends have said that once if i find anybody they reckon that that'll be it that, that'll be me sorted for the rest of my life i however i'm doubtful <laughs> but we can but hope could um, always go on next season of love island loose oh <laughs> god couldn't i just yes they've got a 
They've got a contestant with a club foot. We're getting a I know, I know, I know. I was going to say Hugo, who's broken down the barriers now. Um, yeah. I don't want to talk smack about him because I want to get him on the show sometimes. So. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, okay. James, it's been really interesting having really, you Really, really interesting. Um, yeah, no, it has, yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> it's been very, very interesting, entertaining, and it's been uh, nice to talk about it in a, in a relaxed way as well. Oh, well, thank you, James. That's really nice to hear. We always strive to make our guests feel relaxed, so we're glad we've uh, we, we, we're glad we've done that with you. So thank you very much. No problem. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. Uh, before you go, James, do you want to tell people like where they can find you and follow you and all of that stuff? Yeah, sure. So I'm on Twitter. <clears throat> my my username on Twitter is j underscore bloodworth, and I'm also on Instagram at where I'm james dot bloodworth. Um, and you can also buy my book Hired in all good independent bookstores and other ones, Fab- but yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. We'll uh, we'll put a link to your um your book on our show notes on our website as well, so people can find it there thank you. for you as well. Yeah. All right. Cool. Thanks very much, James. And thank you everybody for listening. Don't forget to follow us on all of the social medias and uh like and subscribe and review and tell people how amazing we are because it helps us reach more listeners. Um you know the the, the usual guff. You guys are used yeah. to it by now. All right. <laughs> we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Labeled Podcast. If you like the show, please rate, review and subscribe. You can follow us on social media at Labeled Podcast. Uh, Thanks go to our editor, Adam Hall, our music composer, Maisie Crunden and our graphic designer, Sarah Coley. We'll We'll see see you next time. time.